Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. We have an exciting show here. I, I find it enormously interesting. And, of course, the strange irony is we had lots of problems with the production of it. I should never really have pursued it, recording it with the Internet. Uh, signal the bad as it was when we had a storm. I just, I don't know, I can be stubborn and kind of paid the price for that one. So this is Writing in Authenticity, uh, episode number 63. So let's just jump right into that, okay? There is a great deal to do with identity and how it affects a, a person's writing. In fact, it's not a uncommon, uh, uncommon uh, subject for people, uh, writers especially. You'll find um, in many instances uh, the science fiction writer who, even though he wrote science fiction, he is writing a great deal about what we're talking about right now, identity and how it affects a person. Uh, Philip K. Dick. He wrote, um, uh, and then they made two successful movies. The one was uh, Total Recall, okay, which is about how a person could have their entire memory wiped out and replaced with another personality, and then they have to be um, finding out the the task of, well, am I responsible if that person before me was was a was a lout and a criminal, and now I'm not that person anymore? I mean, should you hold me responsible physically for something that I didn't do because I don't recall? What does the identity have to say about that? It, it, it's a terribly interesting question. And it's not all that science fiction any longer. Well, they, they're experimenting on, on trying to um, alter or remove people's memories uh, to help rape victims or, or people dealing with post-stress and war accidents, that sort of thing. But uh, that could be abused. Then uh, the other movie they made him in, which uh, which was which from the novel um, "Do Electric uh, Sheep Dream," is Blade Runner, and it's sort of the opposite side of identity. What if a machine that you created, even though it's a biological machine, you created with an expiration date? But what happens if it says, "I'm self-aware. I, I feel that I'm a sentient being. I don't want to die. I like to live. I enjoy what I'm seeing. I'm enjoying what I'm doing." And he gets uh, upset, wants up uh, going on a, a criminal rampage uh, uh, trying to find all the people involved in creating him to see if there's any way they could switch it off so that he can continue to live and not just die he was uh, greatly despondent by that and, and had a lot of poetic lines in that movie it, it, it was very removing and, and, and quite sad uh, because this was something that wants to live and I find it um, incredibly ironic when you have people out there you know that, that want to end their lives who are human for whatever reason and I'm not saying this in a judgmental manner. It's just a fact. And then you have somebody that we created, a biological machine that wants to live. It doesn't want to die. But it has to be put out. And they actually send somebody out there to kill these things, to get rid of them, because they don't want to report to uh, you know, a place to where they simply should you know, lay out their last days and, and, you know, and die and switch off, which would happen to him. So it's an, an incredible subject if you think about it, because... Where you are at 
in terms of how you feel about your identity, that makes a great difference on how you feel as a person, what you feel maybe you should write about, how you actually view the world. I mean, how do you view the world if you're somebody that was like like a Hannibal Lecter character, somebody that ultimately became a serial killer, regardless of the becoming a psychologist, because obviously they were interested in the mind, probably hoping they can cure themselves, but they had a horrible traumatic incident in their childhood that snapped their, that snapped their personality, and they wound up becoming a killer because they couldn't deal with what they did. So they wound up becoming a killer because ultimately uh, when you suffer abuse, uh, the uh, the abused either becomes the abuser because that's how they get rid of uh, feeling uh, that they're weak. So they become an abuser. I know it's a strange, uh, sick irony, but that's what happens. Or they wind up just becoming a, a, a total uh, drug addict, a suicidal, destructive person because they can't they can't live with what's happened to them. So they either become uh, an abuser or they will become somebody that further sinks into the depth of of despair and, 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 and self-loathing. But identity plays a great part in all of these things. Now, I know there's many people that want to talk about the identity of, of folks that change their gender. Or even folks that simply change into clothing because they want to be a woman at night. You know, they call them the, the transvestites like Eddie Izzard, if you know the comedic guy. that I mean, he's out there... Uh, uh, as a man uh, doing his comedy show and he's a wonderfully smart and a, a nice fellow and then uh, at night he says you know he goes out and puts clothes on and, and heels and, and lipstick and goes out there I, I believe that he has a, a, a heterosexual relationship too so it's 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 quite quite confusing uh, but uh, this is what he's compelled to do and he feels that this is part of what he's necessary for his identity and of course you have other people that have biological Reasons, and I don't know if his is not biological or not. No one really knows uh, fully what triggers somebody, but at least this was a fellow that is able to figure out how to put this into his perspective in his life and his relationships with women, and becoming a woman later on, and uh, in his uh, his entertainment show, and all of that. So that's good that he was able to do that in some kind of healthy way. Others might not be able to because society might not accept them. And what kind of identity do they choose? For writers, it's it's quite interesting because it can also it can awful awful determine it can also determine where they're going to be heading at, and I don't mean just the gender. I mean just anything. I mean you have folks right now that um, and we already saw that one case of, of quote they call a fraudulent woman that woman that was working for the NWCP and she felt that um, she identified with being a black woman and that's how she wanted to live her life. Now, I'm not saying anything wrong about this. I know people gave her a hard time and, and thought that she was fraudulent. But who says that you can't do this? Who says you can't adopt another culture and, and, and start living that way, believing that's, that's who you are, who you want to be, who you want to represent? People still have a hard time with that. But I don't really particularly think that she was trying to do anything wrong with it. I mean, I don't really think she was committing fraud or, or, or crime. I don't think she's a, a bad person. I don't think it's wrong to choose that. That's how you want to do things. I know that other people might might see otherwise, and that's fine. But it's still a question that should be that should be answered. And and of course, you see what what it did to her in terms of the publicity and, and her life. And uh, these are choices that she made and and, and, and paid a, a dear price for them. You know, people calling her names and, and no one wanted to hire her and all kinds of unusual things that happened with her. But what happens to those that choose that? I mean, we have some people that 
that that choose this because of the way they were born. Um, you've probably read and heard of a few stories of some some people that were black in the South and they were so fair-skinned that they were able to, quote, pass as white. And wrote books about that. It was a woman that did that and a man that did that. And what did that do to them? Did that cause them to uh, deny their culture so that they can uh, live amongst white people who normally would be bigoted against them? Because this, this happened, you know, we're talking about in the 30s and 40s and 50s, that sort of thing, you know, in the American South. Um I know it's probably uh, easy to make a very fa fast and rash judgments. I mean, if anyone remembers the soldier's story, uh, that they, it was really a soldier's play at first, and then they made it into a successful movie, The Soldier's Story. Here is a case of, of a man that, um, that did pass as somebody practically Caucasian and wound up getting murdered by somebody who was darker-skinned because they hated the fact that he was living his life this way. I'm not saying that defending that sort of kind of crime of doing that to somebody because you know it is not warranted but are the feelings of someone being something that they're not warranted i don't really know it just really depends i know we have a, a person right now running for president elizabeth warren that document should show that she said that she was one culture when she was not and i think her dna test showed her uh, to be a, an incredible fraction of it so it, it's really not warranted uh, whether her intentions were genuine or not, it really depends on your politics, I guess. If you like her and her ideas, you'll give her a break. If you don't, you'll you'll beat her over the head with it. I'm not really going to worry my time on the show judging her, but again, for a period in time, the fact is that woman felt that way and and portrayed herself that way, and and uh, she did get some social benefits from it. Maybe some people say that's why she did it. I don't know why she did it. But this is what she felt. Maybe this is what her family told her for a while and she just ran with it. People do that all times in families. You got these DNA kits now. People do them and they find out something different. The family's been saying this about them. You even see it on a commercial. And then they're like, oh, no, I'm not that. I'm this. Maybe they were wrong. Maybe they're doing it for social acceptance reasons. Maybe they're out of denial. Nobody really knows. But again, that identity makes a big difference because you think about it. Beyond just a writer... You know, if you're in a family and they're telling you you're Irish and then later on you find out, you know, uh, 35 years later when you have kids that you're, you're not Irish, you're actually uh, Portuguese and African. It might not be dark skin, but those are the things that came out in your DNA test. What do you do then when you've just been telling yourself and your family, and your friends and, you know, everybody else and including your children, you're this and now you're that. Do you have to rediscover stuff? Do you have to go back? You know, is that a book or a journey? What does that do with your poetry? What happens if you write about poetry uh, of, of the Ireland and then you find out you're Portuguese? Do you still just stay with the Irish thing just because that's what you're common, you're com comfortable with and you found so much about it and you admire it? Or do you, do you meld it into the new thing you found? So identity is incredibly important. And one of the main reasons I feel it's, it's important is because if you think about it, just just from just from a, a, a practical standpoint, it's a starting point. You have to start somewhere. I, I don't really know in the end if you can write at all convincingly about things if you're confused about who you are. You know? I, I think it, it's a real problem. I know that many people go through uh, psychological and even emotional trauma 
I mean, if you ever talk to some gay people who are in the closet for a billion, a million years and come out, I mean, they, they say with such a great relief just because they don't have to live another life or another story or keep telling people lies and, you know, writing a, writing a, a, a book with, uh, with female characters that you're supposed to be in love with when you're actually a, a male gay guy. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. And I can see how that, that could be a torment and that could be just a complete counterfeit life that you don't want to live. And you feel in the way you're forced to. So, yeah, it makes a big difference to have a, a, a fresh and, and positive starting point. And, and, and you hope, of obviously, that you're accurate in your starting point. Because maybe it's not the case. I mean, we are, we are, I know I interviewed somebody not too long ago that, was, that, that felt they were straight most of their life. And realized later on, when they had a, a marriage and children, that they were, in fact, gay. And they, they kind of noticed it in their writing after a while. And they kind of noticed it in their feelings. And... and you know, they made that break and, and, and became who they're supposed to be. I mean, obviously, there's always some pain and conflict and some consequences, but it looks like that's worked out for them in the end after a few years. God bless. That's important. But um, then look what that person had to do. They had to now write and and and, and a new uh, a new lifestyle, new um, a new orientation. I'm struggling for the, the right word here, so don't beat me up, okay? Uh, basically, they're struggling to now write about what it is to feel to be gay and, and what it is to be gay and to be actively part of that. Everything from the, the romantic feelings to, to, the, to the sexual you know, desires and, and acts themselves because that's all now different than, than you were before when you, when you thought you were straight. So identity is incredibly uh, critical to that uh, because if this person you know, has had any writings before that, you know, they, they might sound... And, 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 and be written far differently than, than the ones that are now. And, and quite frankly, I don't know if it's possible to collect them all together and, and let them be read side by side or not. I don't know if that person felt comfortable with doing that. I don't even know if it's possible or not. But I would find, as a, a writer, curious to see that just because, you know, I, I, you, you have to wonder about it because they're both truth at that moment in time that was written. So it's not like anyone's doing anything wrong, you know. They say to to thine self be true. Well, if you think you're true on this aspect until you find something different, you're, you're still being true. So you're not really doing anything wrong. Uh, but identity is also, I, I find, in, important in the sense that we really can't have any kind of accurate history if we don't have an idea of the people that we are or the people that were before us. So identity is really important for that too, you know. If you if you really uh, if you really look at uh, you know at the bottom line of, of identity, it really tells you, and, and sort of in in a thumbnail, you know. All right, um, working class dude from England is working in a factory, uh, joins the uh, uh, labor labor movement, and wants to get involved in some some local politics. Um, but uh, has a bit of a short temper and um, that's not exactly working well on, on networking with people because, you know, kind of hard to be a politician if you're beating everybody up and getting getting drunk every other night. Uh, but that's that person's identity at, at that point. And what they can write from that, if they become a writer or want to write from that, is, is really not only uh, curious, but if you think about it, identity for many people and for most of us is often a superficial vehicle. Yeah, she looks good. Bond hair, nice red dress. 
okay, that's all wonderful. But is that really her identity? Is that just not maybe one facet of her identity? Because you don't know anything about her. You don't know if she can cook. You don't know if she can drive a race car, fly a plane, be a kickboxer. You don't know if she's a, a intellectual or likes science. You, you, you don't know if she's the dancer. All you know is that she looks good, got a red dress and, and blonde hair. So identity is also important too because you need to be able to go deeper. And as you go deeper in, a, in any kind of identity, it flushes out the whole story. You get a better picture of the full human being and often maybe even the idea of their human condition or of just the human condition in, in general. But identity is intrinsically linked, and I feel, to, to history. I mean, identity and history, they, they go together. If you know anything about the old Soviet Union, I mean, they used to love to change history. Some guy falls out with a, the big communist leader. The next thing you know, they're literally erasing them from the photographs, erasing them from the history books, erasing them from everything like they don't exist anymore. Suddenly you have all these people erased. I don't mean killed. I mean, just look, because, you know, if you think about it, killing a person is not really erasing them. You don't really even stop their voice because as long as they have people that love and respect them that could talk about their tale, as long as they have stories out there that are still being told or being read, you know, or, or they got songs out there being heard or pictures out there that are being watched, they're still alive in many instances. They're, they still have a, 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 a foothold in this world. So killing people is not enough. The communists had understood that you have to erase them from history, from the photographs, from the songs, from everything, and then maybe put you in jail, kill you. So I, I'm not saying this is the ideal way of doing it, but they, they had a better idea of, of what to do because they understood that identity was more, more than just the superficial and more than just the living product. It was all the things that, that came after you know, you're going to have to browbeat those people to never speak about them again and erase everything and all that stuff. I know it's horrible, positively Orwellian, but nevertheless, they had an understanding about identity that most societies didn't, which is a strange, cruel irony because if you understand so much about identity and the human condition, why live this fake communist lie about how you're going to take care of people when they're standing in line you know, for, for beef jerky and toilet paper. I mean, come on. You're not doing anybody any favors with this nonsense lie while you're living in a wonderful apartment and, and, and being drove around by a, by a limousine. Everybody out there is wondering if the bicycle tire is, is, is flat and can they get to the factory in time before they whip to death um, being late for their shift. I mean, that's the life of most of those people under that wonderful utopia of communism. But that's, again... They understood something about identity. And we need to understand something about identity too as, as writers. We need to understand about who we are. And sometimes when we're on our own little course of trying to find out more about ourselves and our identity, writing can help. Writing can help in the therapeutic fashion of, of ironing out things and trying to understand some of the issues that we might face. Maybe they're phobias or fears or hesitations or... Maybe even hatreds at certain people. You know, I don't mean necessarily cultural racial, just maybe this individual hatred. You know, I hate this uncle because they come over and eat barbecue all the time and fart and, you know, act, act an idiot. You know, that sort of thing. Or um, the identity of, of who we are as people. Maybe we learn something about our family's past or something about our cultural, you know, uh, background. 
And writing can sometimes help us to do that. You don't just need a DNA test. I mean, and, and I mean just by writing articles or, or learning about some of the things that we read about, how some of those things can reflect upon us. You don't have to write your biography or your memoir to start learning things about yourself or, or to write about yourself. You can do that in any form, whether it's a poem or an essay or a song or, you know, even just a, a, a play. You can, you can do a great deal by, by learning about yourself that way and learning about your identity. I, I think now besides the I'm just discovered I'm, I'm gay individual or just discovered I want to change my gender or I just discovered I want to wear a dress. You have a lot of people that their identity change over the years as they grow up and maybe have new experiences. Your ex- your identity might be incredibly different if you spend five, six years like I did in Europe versus living in America where you really cut off from everything other than you're traveling and now you have to start learning to be somebody. You know now you now realize whether you like it or not, whether it's fair or not, that yes, you are a bit of an ambassador you know, for your country. And yes, whether you like what they're saying about your president or your, or your culture or you guys watch too much TV, you'll never get out a lot and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, I'm out right now. I'm out looking at TV and I'm in good shape. So what does that have to do with anything? But you're going to hear that. You're, you're, you're already the ambassador. You know, I, I used to tell people all the time, you know, you're right. I am. I can't run away from that. But don't forget, you're an ambassador of your country too right now. And right now I'm not being impressed. I used to tell this to French people all the time. Really? You, you beat me up over here, but I understand how you represent your country. The stereotype is you guys are, you know, snobbish and, and rude. Uh, you, you're definitely upholding that with, these, with this line of questioning and the way you're acting. So let, let's not be idiotic either because you're also an ambassador. And sometimes you got to give it back. But you learn. You learn and you grow and you, and you evolve more as a person. Uh, they call that maturity. But also, in a way, it, it is broadening your identity. Because now, as you speak to people and learn things and you travel and see things and take on these new experiences, your identity starts to starts to change to a certain extent because you're now a, a much more rounded person in terms of the things you've seen and what you've heard. You have a better understanding about where you come from. And when you go back there... You, you look at it in a different way. I mean, I think I appreciated more America when I got back than all the years when I was living there. And I told people that now and now and again. It doesn't mean when I say that, that I was living in some kind of hell and America is great and everybody else stinks because that's not the case. Went to lots of wonderful places. There's a lot of great places in France too. Don't get me wrong. Especially on the Kansas side and Nice and... You get uh, you you get people that are that are more, much more practical and a lot more inviting than than the cosmopolitan people that are, you know, they tend to be a uh, snooty or, or or a bit or a bit silly you know, for no good reason, and that that happens. But you you learn that there's so many liberties and so many things you take for granted from when you're from that, you know, you start to appreciate them more again when you when time when you spend time away. I got I got a friend that uh, published a a, a book. Um, uh, the day um, it became a circle by uh, Hugh Cook, a wonderful young uh, poet, and he traveled around the world and wrote this book about poetry and all around the world and the things that changed him. And it's it's just astounding for somebody that young to learn so much. But it definitely changed him. So you think about it. His identity is far different after that book than it was before that. And he'll he'll say that too. We did an interview with him on the show, and I, I couldn't be any more 
uh, uh, grateful and, 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 and excited to, to, to hear it and, and to see that. And, and he sold some books and he got nominated for an award and that, that's great. So that, that's how it should be. But that's how our identity changes, you know, and, and, it, and, it, and it changes in, in, in the ways that I, I feel oftentimes make us better people. Maybe when we become better people, we, we could figure out ways to make the world better then because we're making those dots that we didn't realize before. They're, they're connecting, you know. Our actions have consequences, you know. Our, our words ha- have, have meaning. Our travel should not be so, so lazy and silly. It should, it should make some impact on us and, and, and others. Yes, we are ambassadors from where we come from. There's, there's nowhere around that. You know, now I, I agree when I was traveling, God, I don't want to sound too old here. Uh, people were like upset with Reagan. Oh, Reagan's this and Reagan's that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what, what is he supposed to do? Huh? Just just let the whole world become communist. Just so you could feel better about about America. I mean, have you challenged these people? Have you challenged the other side? I'm okay. You challenged American policies and challenged American politics and challenged American presidents. Great, good, good. But why are you not charging, challenging these other people? You never hear that. And then you know that these are folks that really haven't weighed everything. They haven't weighed everything carefully at all. You know? I, I, I never really cared for a lot of politics for a lot of these artists because they don't really look at everything. They just run with one thing because it fits whatever narrative they need. It makes them, I guess, sell stuff so they don't have to actually be controversial. But guess what? Sometimes being controversial means that you actually tried to weigh everything carefully. Sometimes controversial means that you're actually including facts in some of the, the crazy things you say. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of propaganda. You know, I, I love the fact that even though Sting... Uh, the lead singer from Police, and became a solo artist, even though he's quite a, a, a liberal, environmental fellow, when he wrote that song, Russians, he did exactly what I expect somebody to do as an artist. You want to talk about a subject, in this case, the dangers of nuclear war and how he's frightened that the world is in danger and, and could be destroyed and he has children grown up that he brought into this world. He's talking about both sides. He's talking about Reagan. He's talking about Khrushchev. He's talking about the Russians and the Americans. He's giving them both to hell about the situation because they both have some responsibility involved in it. They both have that side where they can push a button and, and end everything. That's the kind of artistic product I think. So you could talk about politics, you could make some social commentary, but you could do it in in, in, in a way that that's not only fair, but it's that's factual. And then right there, you you got a, a piece of your identity because it's a real thing. You can't just go around saying, you know, one side is threatening the world and the other is just doing nothing, and therefore my children are in danger. Because that's the kind of song he could have wrote. It's probably the kind of stuff you hear a lot, but he didn't. He chose the braver, more honest path. It makes for a fabulous song. It also makes for a very emotional song. I feel quite chilling, uh, quite moving, very beautiful. I like how they did the whole Russian motif tone in there. It was just a, just a brilliant song, but it, it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Who knows that before he wrote this song, I know he was a teacher before he was an artist and all that, Maybe he had a different viewpoint until he started exploring that and realized, hey, you know, they, they, they both have responsibilities here. They both need a smack in the head. And, and they did. And, and he did it. And, and great for him. I'm great. Just, just love that song. Every time I hear it, you know, it, it brings me back to those, to those days when I was in Europe listening to people talking about one side of things and not the, not the other. 
That's what I tell people today. Talk about both, you know? I, I love my British friends and my British fans, but uh, they always say, uh, like a joke around, I love America except for that one word, Trump. And I'm like, okay, well, I love Britain except for that one word, Brexit. And quite frankly, you got more problems with that than we're ever going to have with this guy. So please fix your own stuff before you come over here with, the, with that sort of stuff, okay? Let's, let's keep it honest and fair and, and factual. And that's how you learn about identity. And that's how you learn about your own identity. I know for my own identity, I, I found it critical. And you might find it uh, unusual to hear that maybe uh, I was shy at one point in, in things. Um, and even a little hesitant about my own voice. You know, I, mean, I had someone in the network one time uh, pretty much alluding to the fact that uh, you you sure you could talk to a literary crowd? I mean, you, you sound like you're, you're somebody that comes out of The Godfather. I mean, I'm not going to overdo it and call somebody a bigot or racist, but quite frankly, that, that, that's a stereotype in there still. But I, it's not something I hadn't noticed or, or acknowledged. And it's something that weighs on you. When you hear you hear something like that, especially you got a voice in your head saying that, oh, God, you know, I'm an Italian guy from Jersey, and quite frankly, most of the Italian anything in in in, in Hollywood is, you know, I'm beating up somebody with a bat, throwing them in a, in a trunk or shooting somebody or, you know, using the kind of accent I have, especially from New Jersey or even New York. I think Jersey's cooler than New York, but, hey, that's another story. Um it gives people those those stereotypical images and, and, and you know, but I I remind people because you have to do that to take them out of the stereotype. Just like I talk to my African-American friends and they say the same thing. Yeah, we've got to take them out of that stuff and remind them of some of the, the great stuff of the culture. I'm like, absolutely right. You know, so let's not forget, folks, the Renaissance, Italian, the, the Italians did all of that. OK, every one of these people. All right, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, Donatello, Raphael, these are all Italians, okay? We have a, a great slew of inventors and scientists. Come on now. So it, it's not like I, I don't have a culture that, that has a, a real academic and it has a real intellectual foundation to it, because it does. So I don't want to have a couple thousand years uh, uh, of history and, and achievement, you know, in my culture, ruined by, uh, by 20, 30 years of, of a bunch of... Uh, Stupid films that make us look like we're all a bunch of idiots. God bless Sylvester Stallone. I love the Rocky movies. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, not every Italian, you know, is, is boxing and, and talking like like they just had four beers and slurring everything. You know what I mean? And all that stuff. It's crazy. Not helpful. So I can imagine people hearing that at one point and saying that. So it's it's also important, too, when you want to go and forth and do something. Now, it's different for writing. Because um, you're not hearing me as an Italian, as a writer. I'm a writer. So you don't even know or, or care or don't even notice. But when you're doing something that's broadcasting, I, I can't hide the voice. I'm not going to change the way I speak. I'm not going to go around doing some fake accent or some nonsense. I, I'm who I am. That's it. If I'm going to do a show authentic, and I do, I have to be authentic too. So that's that's another part of identity is I had to make sure, and this is what I want a lot of people to, to, to take to heart is I had to grasp some of my identity that was there already that sometimes I put put off to the side you know the accent or you know the Italian background or being from New Jersey all that because you're going to get jokes not all of them are cruel not all of them are bigoted some are just fun natured but you get them sometimes they're annoying and sometimes people get carried away sometimes you're like oh god I got to hear this you know, because it, it's like, you know, can I just get on with my, my story here? So 
I have to make sure I embrace that. Make sure that as long as I can talk something intelligent through the show, as long as I can actually be heard clearly, I don't mean just from technical problems because that's why I'm really, really doing redoing the show because of that first time. And God, I hope it's the last time. But just the, the clarity uh, of thought and, and the clarity uh, of your of your voice. So after a while, when people listen to your shows, it, it, it becomes you know second nature to them. It, it's they become immune that yeah, the guy's from Jersey and he's an Italian guy, but you know he knows something about writing and something about traveling something about life and it's not just you know guns and pizza and you know Italian bread or something because I never really talk about those things on here because quite frankly they're boring I'm used to all of that sort of sort of stuff from from where I grew up and being in the military so it's not that not that traumatic to me and certainly not that interesting it's more interesting to talk to writers and poets and it's more interesting to understand where many writers are coming from what did they do to shape their identity? Did they shape their identity? Are they still in the works of shaping our identity? On, the, on that road to do that, you know? Or are they still trying to figure it out? Because remember, you got people that are, that are fearful because of their family, you know, having a, a, bad, a bad notion of writing or, or art in general. You got, um, you got people uh, who are in relationships, you know? You ever been in a relationship with somebody that they, they hate what you're doing? Oh my God! You got to go writing. That's happened before. Not not fun, because you you won't stop who you are just because of somebody else, you know. And and I would say, and I have said, you don't have to like this. That's fine. No one says that we can be in a relationship and you got to be totally into what I'm doing. You don't even have to read it, but you can't mock it, and that won't be allowed. We're not going to have a relationship. If you're just not interested in talking about it and you just want to put it aside, yeah, he's a writer and blah, 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 and let's talk about dresses now or something, fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a, a human and an honest way of approaching it, but you, you can't ridicule and mock it because you can't have a relationship based, based on disrespect. So you, you want to be able to find that out from other writers and you want to be able for them to tackle that. Of course, we have some writers out there. Some talk to me privately. Some were on the show. You know, they, they, they deal with depression. That's also a part of their identity, too. How do they handle that? Do they handle that uh, through, um, through meditation and yoga? Do they handle that through uh, running a couple of miles and doing some, you know, working out? Do they handle that through pharmaceutical matter? I mean, legal, of course. Uh, do they handle that through writing therapy, trying to write through it and, and, and get a better grasp on it? Uh, do they handle that through breathing exercises? Do they go to, to a formal therapy or, or even a group therapy? There's all kinds of different ways to handle that. But are they trying to handle that? And can they use their art to, to benefit themselves and maybe uh, benefit other people too? Because we have plenty of people out there that, that do writing and do all kinds of different subjects and you'll never know that they're tackling that because they choose not to write about that. And I'm not saying they have to, but I am saying that they have to take that seriously and they have to, they have to do something about that because eventually you know, it destroys people. We see this time and time again. Okay, you've seen it already plenty of times in the news. Singers, uh, the, the guy from um, Big Country killing themselves, the guy from Quiet Riot killing themselves, the guy from In Excess killing themselves, the guy from Soundgarden killing themselves, the guy from um, Nirvana killing themselves, 
the guy from, uh, you know, uh, No Reservations, my favorite cook, Anthony Bourdain, hanging himself, you know? Think about that. That's a man that was on the show every single night. On your, I mean, I'd watched almost everything he ever put out. Learned a great deal. And I traveled around the world myself anyway, but I learned a great deal about places I didn't travel. I, I found them to be very humane, very inquisitive, very curious, respectful. Didn't go around telling people, I cook this way, why are you doing it that way? Learning and appreciating the full spectrum of humanity. Yet, did we really know his full identity in the end? No, we don't. We never knew all about him. He chose to put that away somewhere. And then one day, because that's really what happens in these cases, folks. One day, you kill yourself because you can't take it anymore because you're not dealing with it. You're not dealing with it in any fashion whatsoever. It happened with, with poor Robin Williams, too. So we never know who these people are because they choose to put out an identity that maybe just handles the day or handles the job or handles whatever they happen to be doing creatively. And I'm not necessarily saying that what they're putting out is fake because it's, it's probably not. Because, you know, we could be many different facets of who we are in our personality, you know. You could sing and dance and then go home and be a somber person and talk about the stock market. It doesn't mean you're stuck just, you know, singing and dancing all day. But um, it wasn't enough because obviously the other parts of them uh, grew and took over and just became more and more like a cancer. And that's really what it is. It's like a spiritual, psychological cancer. So learning about yourself and all the facets about yourself and all the things that you do that you feel that you can do, uh, whether privately or otherwise, in terms of a self-improvement, is extremely important. Because otherwise, we have too many right now you know, that, that deal with depression and, and that either attempted suicide or have already. Uh, I, I read the, the Harvard study and there's been many others. Uh, a, a gigantic majority of the artistic community is dealing with, with depression Thoughts of suicide, manic, manic uh, moods, uh, what they now modernly in a modern day call bipolar, all of this sort of thing. So it's it's not an uncommon thing. We, we, we know that many a times without a full accounting, and that's really what it is. When you're looking at identity, you're looking at what, what can you fully account for yourself. Because remember, some of these things that you're trying to deal with no one's saying you have to broadcast to the world. It doesn't even have to be into your art. You could just deal with it on your own. But can you deal with it? Are you dealing with it? That makes the biggest difference on if you're really taking a full grasp, the reins like a horse of your identity, or, or are you simply living part of who you should be and just letting the other thing rot inside you. Sometimes people, and I thought this is extremely curious, sometimes people relied on it so much that when they did handle it and control it, it, it ruined their art. And that sometimes it is a fear that I'm not trying to encourage, but it happens. Brian Love was a perfect example of that. He get an interview recently. He's like, yeah, I'm not writing any more cool songs or anything like that because I controlled the demons that were haunting me and hurting my family for years. I controlled it with therapy and I controlled it with drugs that work and help me become a, a better and more productive person. But I can't write anymore because those demons are now silent. And I needed those demons to be creative. 
Now, I'm not saying that he can't figure out maybe some different way to become creative. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, maybe he just relied on them so much. But I know that there are other people that probably don't want to follow the road to um, learning more about themselves or trying to cure themselves or trying to at least get a handle on, on these other aspects of, of their personality, those demons that, that haunt them because they don't want it to destroy their art or harm their art because we have so much pride as being an artist. I get that. I understand now that. But quite frankly, if those demons are, are causing you to physically harm yourself or are causing you to poison and maybe even harm the relationships you have in your life, your wife, your children, all that, the art isn't worth it anymore then. You have to take a handle of that and get it under control and be that better person. And if your art suffers or, or disappears, oh well then. You can't put one over the other. Because once you do that, you're ultimately saying my children are less important as me writing this novel. And they're not. You don't want to have people growing up one day just hating you because you're just the, the weird shouting strange guy in the, in the locker room all day. That's supposed to be a father, okay? And that's all they want. The writer is second, the writer is someplace else. That's where you end to be first. And it's the same thing with identity, folks. We gotta make sure that we're becoming who we're supposed to be first, that human being, that man or that woman, or that father and that that mother. That husband or that wife. We gotta make sure that we're that those people first. So this way all other things can stem from that and we can learn. No one says we can't use some of that, those issues and those errors and those flaws in, in our art. People do it all the time. But you got to try to do your best to keep perspective and keep a handle on identity. It's just that important, identity in writing, writing in, and identity. You really can't, I feel, separate the two. Because once you start separating them, you, you live in that other life. And that's where it leads to those roads of drug depression, drug addiction and depression and, and suicide and, and, and all of that. And you definitely want to make sure that you have a control over that so that you can be all you're supposed to be, especially all the writer you're supposed to be. All right, folks, until next time, I, I want to wish you well. God bless you. And thank you for putting up with all of this. And we'll get this out there and, and, and move on ahead. The next one is going to be Shirley Jackson that's coming up. And that's just that really came out fabulous, that show. And, and, and it came out perfectly produced as well. God bless and you take care. And thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.